You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And to get this show every day, I need you to subscribe to Locked On Mets wherever you get your podcasts. Google, Apple, Spotify, Himalaya. Also, don't forget when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Mets. For today's show, of course, I'm going to talk about Carlos Beltran as he was introduced to the media on Monday. I'm going to get into Beltran-related topics in the second half of the show, though, because in the first half, I want to talk about some of the comments that Bertie Van Wagenen made when it comes to his roster moving forward. We have Zach Wheeler getting extended, the qualifying offer, and much, much more. So get into some of those news items in the first half, and then again, talk about my impressions of Carlos Beltran in the second half. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, check me out on Twitter, at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing about the Mets at MetsmerizedOnline.com. All right, so that first piece of information I just mentioned, Zach Wheeler. The Mets have extended the qualifying offer, which is worth $17.8 million. Wheeler now has 10 days to decide if he wants to accept that offer or test free agency. Brody said the Mets will continue to negotiate on a long-term contract with Wheeler up to that deadline and through that deadline if he does decline. I don't necessarily believe him. He talked a lot about how Noah Syndergaard was not movable this offseason and when Diaz was going to stay put. I just don't know if I can actually see a scenario where Zach Wheeler comes back next year because he's going to cost a lot of money. Brody also mentioned that Robert Gazelman or Seth Lugo could take his place in the rotation. That's something that I spoke about at length on a previous podcast. So if you want to go back to the podcast titled Gazelman or Lugo to the Rotation, you can kind of hear my thoughts on which one of those guys I see as a better fit. But to me, that decision makes a lot of sense because you would rather have a Robert Gazelman or a Seth Lugo take over in the rotation as opposed to a Walker Lockett. Now there's actually a third name that maybe entered this conversation as the Mets claimed Steven Gonsalves off waivers from the Minnesota Twins. Now, Gonsalves is 25 years old, and at one point, he was the top prospect in the Twins organization. A left-handed pitcher, was a starter throughout the minor leagues. In 2018, he pitched to a 2.76 ERA with 120 strikeouts across 22 starts in AA and AAA before finally making his major league debut. He did not pitch great. In those outings at the major league level, he had four starts, made three relief appearances, and pitched to a 6.57 ERA. He then dealt with injuries in 2019, being limited to just eight appearances, six starts, where he had a 4.15 ERA. So he is an option for the Mets to kind of rehab up now and see if he can turn into something. I don't know if they plan on testing him out in the rotation, or maybe they want to convert him as a reliever. But that's an interesting arm that they added through the waiver process. Now another arm that they kept was Blake Taylor, a player in their own organization who's 24 years old. He made 40 appearances starting at single A this year, moving all the way up through triple A. 
pitched in 66 and two-thirds innings. Relief pitcher, had a 2-1-6 ERA. So that's someone that's really interesting. He had a good performance in the Arizona Fall League as well, making the all-star team. So it makes sense to protect him from the Rule 5 draft. And that is an interesting arm that could factor into the bullpen next season. Now a few other notes that we learned on Monday is that Ioannis Cespedes may not play in 2020. Brody Van Wagen was very vague in talking about Cespedes as he continues to rehab from all those injuries. First, the two surgeries on his heels, then the broken ankle. You have to wonder if the Mets maybe are working behind the scenes to get that contract off their books by basically saying that he violated their insurance policy. That's something that has been mentioned in the past, and that would free up a lot of room to spend this offseason. So that's something to keep an eye on, the fact that they weren't necessarily vocally planning to have Cespedes as part of the team in 2020. That is pretty indicative of their feelings about either A, his progress from the injuries, or B, about bringing him back into the fold. So that's something to keep an eye on as this offseason progresses. Now, another thing that Brody Van Wagenen talked about was the fact that the Mets will have an open line of credit. Basically, they will be able to spend in free agency. That's something that I don't really believe. If you listened to my podcast yesterday, I talked about the luxury tax. I don't see the Mets being a luxury tax team. So that's something to keep an eye on. I just don't expect it. They have to kind of prove me wrong for me to buy into this notion that the Mets are going to all of a sudden start spending but we will see. It's good to hear, but it'll be better to see actually happen. Now, the final thing to talk about here is the fact that the Mets will not be addressing the third base position through free agency or trade. Instead, they will look internally as Jeff McNeil, um, J.D. Davis, and Jed Lowry could all mend that position in 2020 with McNeil being the likely candidate. That's something I have hypothesized throughout the offseason. So with all that being said, it's going to be a really interesting process to see the way this team is filled out. I do like the hire of Carlos Beltran. That's something I'm going to talk about in just a minute as the Mets really do turn the page into a new era of Mets baseball. There's a lot of interesting pieces in place, but there's a lot of square pegs going into round holes. So we'll see if this roster can maybe get cleaned up this offseason and if the Mets can have a brighter future next year. Now, I'm going to get into Beltron's press conference and my impressions of it in just a minute. But first, guys, let's talk about sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable alternative to Viagra and Cialis with the same FDA-approved active ingredients so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visits, no more waiting in line at the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, I've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code, MLB. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's Blue, B-L-U-E, Chew.com. Promo code MLB to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, and faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. All right, Mets fans, let's talk about Carlos Beltran. 
And what I found out is just how much that inner fan in me likes this move. It's just this idea of seeing him put on that number 15 jersey again. There's no doubt in my mind that he will have the most jerseys in attendance at City Field than any Mets manager ever. And probably more than a lot of the players that are on this team right now. Because everyone had that number 15 Beltron jersey right after they signed him in 2005. And so to have another press conference, to put those side-by-side images of him signing as a player, and now it's just a great feeling of optimism for this franchise moving forward. Now, Ken Rosenthal for The Athletic wrote a great piece. I know not a lot of people subscribe to The Athletic, but it's a really interesting article that centered around a lunch that Carlos Beltran had with Alan Baird, the vice president and assistant GM, and Omar Minaya the special assistant to the GM for the Mets. And it's a really interesting piece. For any of you that had The Athletic, I really encourage you to go on and read it. But basically, this was a lunch that happened in October, just after Callaway had been fired. And Rosenthal describes the lunch as not an interview, but it was supposed to be just a simple reconnecting between old friends. As both the executives had met Beltran when he was 17 years old, and they were scouting him. Ballard would become his GM with the Royals. Manaya, of course, his GM with the Mets. So they had this great relationship with Beltran that they were just drawing on, and they were really interested to see if he would join the Mets in a similar capacity that he was working with the Yankees because he was in their front office, and that was a mind that the Mets really wanted to bring back into the fold. But what Baird said was really interesting. He said, quote, The way he just went on and on about motivating players, about bridging the analytics department to the players, being able to break it down and simplify it and put the analytics people in a better position in the way they're viewed by the players and the coaches. Omar and I left the meeting and we're going, wow, this is impressive. He continues by saying it was less about looking at Carlos Beltran, the player, and less about looking at the relationship we have with him personally and more about just listening to the way he talked about creating a clubhouse, creating a winning culture the way he talked about analytics, technology in the game today. He kept saying, this is information, and when players understand it, it's just information that can help them be better individually as well as collectively. Why wouldn't you want that information? He was really simplifying it. Now in the press conference, Beltran talked about that today. He talked about how if you're going to make an investment, you want to have as much information as possible, and that's the way he preaches it to his players. It's a lot different to get analytics from a future Hall of Famer for him to say, this can really help your craft, than some kid out of Dartmouth who's 22 years old who never played baseball past Little League, and he's telling you how to improve your game. So I think that's really something that Beltran brings to the table. In the piece, Rosenthal got a quote from Van Wagen where he said, quote, they both told me that he would be a great manager and that I would like him a great deal. They were right, he said in a text message. He continued by saying, quote, I felt a connection with him. Like me, when I became the GM, Carlos did not need this manager job. It's clear that he didn't want a job. He wanted this job. And that really resonated with me. He lives in New York. He talked about that connection to the city. And I think that's something that really carries a lot of weight with this fan base and this organization. One of the interesting things that Bernie Van Wagenen talked about during the press conference is that he wanted a manager that they would exhale with when they're entering his office as opposed to one where they inhale not knowing what that manager was going to say. Now this could have been a big shot at Mickey Calloway or also a shot at Joe Girardi. 
Bertie Van Wagen also said, quote, we wanted to feel comfortable, welcome, and a partnership with the manager. He also said, quote, I wanted someone with an appetite to collaborate. So that collaboration is going to be key between Carlos Beltran and Brody Van Wagenen. Beltran said, quote, your GM has to be your best friend. Literally. You have to be honest, open, and have tough conversations. The tug and pull of that relationship is going to be what takes this team over the top. While I did not like Brody Van Wagenen's offseason last year, I even did those episodes the hindsight offseason, second-guessing a lot of those moves, the one thing I will say about Brody Van Wagenen is he is a problem solver. He went into last offseason with you know a list of things he wanted to do to improve the team, and one by one, he checked off all those boxes. Those moves didn't work out for the Mets, but if those players he acquired, Cano, Diaz, Familia, Lowry, had all just played to the back of their baseball cards, the Mets would have gone to the playoffs, hands down. They let the team down. They were not able to perform the way Brody expected them to. In 2018, the combined war between those four players was 12.6. If they played up to that level again in 2019 and you added 12 wins to the Mets total, they would have won 96 games and taken the division. So I think the combination of Brody's outside-of-the-box thinking and problem-solving skills with Beltran's ability to build up a winning culture, to have those baseball instincts in place, to be able to use the quote-unquote information, not the analytics, to foster that collaboration between the front office and the players. This could be a perfect fit. And I think I've talked a lot throughout this managerial process about which managers have a high floor and which managers have a high ceiling. I talked about Girardi having a really high floor. I think Beltran's ceiling is through the roof. He could be an amazing fit for this team. And Beltran talked about throughout the day, he wanted to rewrite history. He wanted to finish what they started. And personally, in my lifetime, I think the 2006 Mets were the best team that I've ever seen as far as this organization put out. 2015, I watched, of course, a team that got hot in the second half, run away with a division, go all the way through to the World Series. In 2000, when I was really young, the Mets went to the World Series. But that team in 2006 was great start to finish. And Beltran was the leader of that team. So for him to want to come back and finish what he started and win a World Series for this organization, it sets up an incredible narrative that Mets fans really should be thrilled about. And we just have to wait and see how all the pieces come together throughout this offseason and how the product looks on the field. But my first impressions from Carlos Beltran and this press conference, I really do believe we're going to be in for a really exciting summer in 2020. Thank you for listening. Remember, you can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Also, don't forget when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Mets.